You're listening to the Stellar Life Project podcast. My name is Deborah Stellingworth. I'm obsessed with systems and strategies to help you create a sustainable lifestyle and still enjoy optimal success on your terms in your career or business. The Stellar Life Project is about how we can make a difference in the world, first for ourselves and then for others. I've had successful careers in education and business before my hyperachiever, perfectionist tendencies led me to such extreme burnout that I woke up to find both my health and my marriage in crisis. On my journey to find a better way, I created the Stellar Life Project, which led me to create a coaching business that supports others on their path to establishing a sustainable lifestyle, doing the work they love and generating the income they want. In this podcast, I share from my experience as business owner and coach, and I host conversations with inspiring leaders and business owners to give you the tried and true strategies to help you expand and create your own stellar life. Hello, Stellar friends, and welcome to the Stellar Life Project podcast. I'm your host, Deborah Stellingworth, and today I have a guest who will surprise and delight you. I'm meeting with Nikki Shook of NSPR, a New Zealand-based PR company, and she's going to share with us her tips for growing a sustainable business that supports a beautiful lifestyle, not just for herself, but also for her team of six and how she's impacting her clients with her strategy for PR, but also the way she's operating in the world and in the world of business. She's a pioneer in the work from home space. Long before the world shut down and we all had to work from home, she was working from home so she could support the the family lifestyle she wanted to support for herself and also for her employees. She's got a lot of great experience to share from, and I am so excited for you to meet Nikki Shook from NSPR. I am so excited to be here with you today, Nikki. It's been a while getting this coordinated because we're in different time zones, and I'm just so delighted. I have been so excited even the last hour as I've been here with Braden setting things up and he can barely contain me because I'm just bouncing with excitement and delight for being with you today. So welcome to the Stellar Life Project podcast. Oh, kia ora. Thank you. Um, and that's hello from us in New Zealand. So um, nice to be here. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much, Nikki, for being here. And as I said, I'm delighted. And I want our listeners to know that you inspired me. Now, Nikki Shuck is founder of NSPR, which is Nikki Shuck PR, which has now evolved into something else. I'm gonna let you tell the story. But when I first met you at CEO and I saw the, the initials for your business, NSPR, I thought, wow, how cool that she's taken the word inspire and dropped the vowels. She's a really cool person. And then I realized, oh, even cooler that she has a name that worked that way. And I've done some playing with my own name for the Stellar Life Project, as you know. And then we had a conversation. And I told you that point when we had the conversation, like, oh my gosh, you have inspired me to take action on starting this podcast. It's been an idea for a while because I have the fortunate 
blessing of being able to meet so many interesting people who are doing really cool things in the world. And that was always been the idea for me of the Stellar Life Project podcast is to share those things with people uh, in my audience who are looking for inspiration, who are looking for what to do next, to see what other people are doing. Because there's so many cool things and things I don't think of. So I love having guests like that. And because of that conversation, this podcast is now happening. You are my very first guest, the inspiration, ladies and gentlemen, for the Stellar Life Project podcast, or at least for launching it right here with us is Nikki Shook. And I'm going to allow you, Nikki, to tell us your story. Wow, that's um, that's quite a badge to be given. <laughs> wow, this, that's fantastic. I'm so pleased to hear that you took inspiration out of our chat and I'm sure you'll do very well. I have no doubt about that. I guess uh, my story, gosh, where do you want me to start? Well, let's start with how <laughs> how NSPR, because I know NSPR has grown into something more and I'll ask you to tell us about that, but how did you start it? Because at some point... We all have that moment when we realize we're living somebody else's dream and we're ready to start defining success on our terms. And so tell me, you told me before this story, so if you can tell it again for our listeners, what was that moment, that turning point for you when you decided, damn it, I'm going to do things my way? Okay, so um, I worked for some big corporates in New Zealand and I think the key thing for me was that I... I really got sick and tired of constantly apologizing for being a mother. I'm a stepmom, but I always took that role really seriously. And I just got sick and tired of apologizing for being late to a meeting or having to leave a meeting early because I had commitments with the children who were young at that time. And yeah, I just sort of thought, I want to work for a company that really respects and honours the role of being a mother. Um, And I realised a few years later that actually I needed to create that business. I needed to create that company. And so um, one of the things that I'm really definite about with any of the mothers that work for us is that they don't apologise if they say, look, I can't make a meeting at that time. So in fact, I I kind of almost tell them off when they do apologise because for me uh, in the business, and I have a business partner now as well, but when I first started, we had clients that were targeting mothers. And so to have mothers uh, on board with me was a huge asset because I could get inside the psyche of what they were thinking and feeling and we could target really well for those clients. So it was a huge added bonus. And as we know, women are huge drivers of consumer change um, and purchasing in a household. So um, it's a real asset as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, wonderful. And how long ago was this, Nikki, when when you were having these thoughts about creating your own thing that supports women in business? Yeah, so it probably started close to 20 years ago, but the business has been running since 2008. And it took a lot of courage to step outside a very safe corporate role and go out on your own. And that's that inner voice, which I think as women where, you know, we seem to have them extra loud, that self-doubt. And so it took me a few years and a bit of a push, to be honest, to to actually step outside and, and start my own business. What gave you that push? Because I know a lot of our listeners are on that edge of, of 
right now wanting to do something, realizing if they want to have that, they're going to have to create it. So what gave you the push? Well, there was, a, there was actually two things. The, the first thing was that I actually did get made redundant. And that was in 2008 through the global financial crisis. But then I started doing some contracting work because I wasn't 100% sure still about starting my own business. And I actually was working on a project, effectively doing my own consulting in public relations. But then I also took a contract into another large corporate, a temporary contract. And it was actually the client on the small project that I was working on, who was a very successful entrepreneur. And she said to me, because I then got offered a full job, full-time role, which was at exec level in this big corporate. And she said to me, you will never know how good you are until you step out on your own. And yeah, I've actually got goosebumps as I tell you that because it was such, yeah, it was such a massive thing. And I've never looked back and, you know, I've sent her a bunch of flowers just to remind her that of what she did for me all those years ago, because yeah, it did. It it, it was the confidence I needed and the push I needed to, to back myself. I'm just still tingling from that statement. You'll never know how good you are until you step out on your own. And I hope those people who are listening really take that in. That's just, I mean, we could stop now. That's the gift, but there's so much more from you, I know. So, you know, that was a a key, key moment where you had someone mentoring you and saying, it just shows you the importance of one phrase, one person who says they believe in you, what a turn that can make in your life. As you've gone through the last 20 years in this business and who, who has been your mentor? Who has mentored? You probably had several, I imagine. And, and uh, who mentors you now? I've got a really interesting stance on mentoring. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think we also get really tied into having a mentor mm-hmm. and, and it's singular. Uh, we're actually even over the course of a day, but particularly over a week or a month, I am coming into contact with all sorts of people who give me little nuggets or gifts along the way. And that's the sort of stuff that I really respond to and get inspired by. I've yeah, I've not been someone who's aligned directly with somebody and sat down and and had those conversations. And I know that works immensely well for a number of my colleagues and friends would absolutely swear by it but for me it was much more about particularly where I'm at at that time in my life or my business and then being open to the fact that there are actually mentors all around you and just just be aware of that and be a sponge I guess. (laughs) Great advice because Often I hear people say, I'm looking for a mentor and they're looking for that one person. And as, as a coach myself, people come to me and say, I'm looking for a mentor. I'm like, well, I'm a coach. And sometimes I mentor people and there's difference. But when some people are looking, I need a mentor, a single person who's going to show me the way. And I think that's wonderful advice. It's everywhere. And there are people I call mentors who don't even know that they're my mentors. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. So that's, that's great. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, it, it could even be a fantastic article that you read in a, a magazine or online. It could be a podcast you listen to. These are all little gifts and gems that you can just collect along the way that will make you a better business person. Mm-hmm. 
and and a better person often too. <laughs> yeah, well, and they they go hand in hand, right? We have listeners who are entrepreneurs and leaders in corporations and organizations and and they 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 go hand in hand. When you're a better person in your business, you, it's because you've been working on yourself, right? Or when you're working on yourself, you're going to be a better leader regardless of where you're you're leading. One of the things that this Stellar Life project is about is as well as having success on your terms. Actually, let's talk about that first. If you were to, to define success on your terms, how would you define it? I think it's what make you, makes you happy. I, I'm a huge believer in, you know, doing good things with good people. It just gives you a kind of a gift every day, really. So as long as you're happy in what you're doing, then that feels to me like you've got that equilibrium of um, the buzz that you need from work, the buzz that you need from your home scenario. Um, You know, we call it whānau in New Zealand family. So those things are are really important, that equilibrium, that balance. So it can't always be in balance, but, and as long as you know that, it's never going to be perfection, um, then that also makes those busy times relatable because you know this is either to get you ahead or because you know extra work's come on and therefore that's that's a good thing Mm -hmm. um but yeah I'm a big believer in listening to my gut and if my gut says I'm happy and I'm feeling settled and not frustrated then you know to me that's I'm in a good place I like Mm -hmm. to keep it simple (laughs) I think Mm -hmm. I think we overcomplicate things a lot and I think keeping things simple you know, works really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love what you said about that, that balance. We, you know, it's always in flow, right? If you think about a, mm-hmm. a scale and balancing, it's very rarely still as we add things to either side. So that movement. And when you talked about leads perfectly into the next question, like I planned it or like you planned it, the success on your terms when it feels good in your gut and you know, you're doing the right thing and you're in the right place. And I call that the zone of genius, which is a term I took from Gay Hendricks, who's well known for coining that term in his book, The Big Leap. And the Stellar Life Project is about defining success on your terms, about living in your zone of genius and from your zone of genius. And that zone of genius is that places where you feel like you're just doing your work in the world. You could do what you're doing all day long without getting tired or bored. And I know you are living in your zone of genius. It's evident in the the work you do. It's evident how you show up in even conversations like this. But what would you say your zone of genius is? I think I'm a connector. So I'm one of those people that loves and gets a huge kick out of connecting people together. So whether it's clients together or clients with journalists or clients with colleagues or friends, it's that ability of going, oh my gosh, they would absolutely ping if they were connected with that person. And whether that's for work or, um, you know, something to do with personal life or projects that people are working on outside of work, that's definitely the state that I get a real sort of buzz and ping off. And even in a work scenario last week, I had just had this fantastic day where 
every pitch I sent, every phone call I had with a journalist was a yes straight away. And and again, it's it's about that connecting thing. I know that's going to be great for the client, but I also know I've provided the media with a fantastic story. So that's my little niche spot that I just really buzz off. Yeah, it's wonderful. I get that because I'm a connector as well. And so when you meet somebody, your brain, you're going through this Rolodex in your brain of how to put things together. And I remember reading about that in, I think it was Laura Vanderkam's Off the Clock. And she's just on a side note talking about a friend of hers who's a connector. And she says, she doesn't, she's like, I am not that. And that's when I realized that not everybody does that. And not everybody makes those connections. So for those of you who are listening, if you're not a connector type, this is why it's really valuable to work with someone like Nikki, who is a connector and who can make those um, connections for you. And speaking of connections, I, I want to jump ahead to this idea of networking because because you're a connector, you're really good at it. And for those people who aren't natural connectors, we don't want them to just, no, don't despair. There's hope for you. There are some things that you can do. Nikki, what advice would you give people who are wanting to grow their network, build their connections? I have to say, you know, while I've always really enjoyed talking to people and connecting with people, it wasn't always a, a supernatural thing for me. It's something that I've really worked on. And I still get quite nervous when I have to go into a, a large room and, and start connecting. And often connection for me is much more one-on-one -on -one or in smaller scenarios. I found Shio fantastic in terms of a way of connecting with other wahine, with other women um, who have kind of a similar mindset and are just really open. I, I, I absolutely, I cannot stand clicky scenarios in terms of networking I'm just I'm just not into that I'm not into justifying why I should be in a room you know I just I don't like that at all I'm naturally a very sort of welcoming person so I really struggle with that when you go into an environment and you feel quite foreign in it or that you're an outsider that to me is is really wrong so I actually started a networking group. I live on an island, um, which is a 30-minute ferry ride from downtown Auckland, and it's called Waiheke Island. Um, we we always land acknowledge, and so that's land of Ngāti Power in New Zealand. It's a beautiful place to live. It's a beautiful community. But when I shifted here uh, with my husband, I guess it was quite a few years ago now, I guess 10 years ago, I was really stunned that I wasn't bumping into people that I knew because we knew a few people on the island. And so a friend and I started a networking group, which was called W3, which stands for Wonderful Waiheke Wahine, uh, Wonderful Waiheke Woman. And it was really about just getting women together on the island, connecting them, inspiring them, educating them and having some fun. Um, so we do a variety of activities and one of the key things that we've worked so hard on with W3 is that inclusiveness and you know, making sure that if people are coming for the first time, we know that they're coming for the first time, we make sure we pair them up with people. And it's been fantastic. So sometimes it takes a while. So my advice would be if you go into a networking group and it doesn't feel right, just get the hell out of there and find another one. <laughs> like, you know, if your gut is telling you, Mm, this doesn't feel right, then, you know, there are other options. 
So tapping into local business networks is great. Tapping into networks around your own sector. You know, we're a member of PRINS, which is the PR institution in New Zealand, and we do a lot of stuff in that space to connect with colleagues. And also, too, you know, don't be afraid to ask someone, you know, I'd like to talk more to you. Could I have a coffee? So that's more, you know, I often do that space. I feel good in that space of that one-on-one having a conversation because I, I really like to listen to what people have to say. And I find that environment sometimes is better than perhaps over a glass of wine and canapes. For me, often a coffee, you know, works really well. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And the key points that I take away from what you shared, and I totally agree with you, is find your tribe. And if you can't find your tribe, make your tribe. Totally. <laughs> you know, and if, you're, if it's not your thing to make your tribe, then find somebody else who'll partner with you to do that. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who believe networking is hard and uncomfortable. And so they push through and keep going in places where it's not their tribe. Okay, so get out. And you know, you and I are both fans of CEO. We met at CEO. You practice what you preach. You welcomed me in. I was a very new member at the time. And uh, it's been really an amazing community where of, of women who really are interested in community and supporting. So for ladies who are listening, wherever you are, CEO is a great community that allows you to make friends on little islands in New Zealand and around the world in Vancouver and end up here having this conversation that I think will inspire people who hear it. And, you know, when we can travel again, it's going to be phenomenal when CHEO has its global conference, because I'm sure it'll be the, the most attended conference ever, um, because yes. people will just be so excited to be able to mm-hmm. travel and connect face to face with the people that you've, you know, we've chatted to over Zoom for so long. So yeah, it's it's a fantastic network. I love it. Yeah, it really is. And I imagine there's going to be a long line of guests from CEO that follow you on this podcast because there's some really, really amazing women who are doing really cool shit in the world. So I want to turn to your website for a second. So it's so cool. So nsprltd.com. Check it out because she's got the funnest, coolest website. And I invited her on the podcast before I knew that she had a star on the homepage of her website. So um, she was going to be my first guest anyways. And it's just so serendipitous that the Stellar Life Project has the, you know, a guest with a star on the front of her website. And uh, what I really loved about your homepage here was the way you just like right out front and center declare who you are. Your purpose was to inform, educate, inspire people about your clients. And you know that the motto that I follow in my life and in my my work and the Stellar Life Project is to expand to our full potentials. When we expand to our full potential, we will inspire others to do the same. Clear that you're you're doing that in the with the work that you're doing. But I really, really wanted to hear from you about your brand personality statement. And is it okay if I read it? Mm, sure. Okay. Because I, I, mean, I don't want to put you on the spot and make you say the whole thing without having it in front of you. So it says, NSPR is upfront and honest, delivers by doing while exceeding expectations, surprising and delighting. We are reliable, caring, enthusiastic, professional, and fun. We listen, are community-spirited, people-centric, and environmentally aware. 
could you tell us how you, what was the work that went into that process? I think everybody should have uh, a brand statement or a personal motto, whether no matter the size of your business, if you're an entrepreneur, or if you're a leader in an organization working for somebody else, I think everybody should have a brand statement and identity. And I think given the industry you're in and PR, I guess you would agree, but tell us about this one. How did you come up with this? What was the process? I guess it was a, yeah, it was a process over time. Um, I think one of the hardest things when you start your business is you're so client centric and, and client focused and you're telling them all these things about what they need to do and what would be great for them and their business. But it's you just don't have the headspace or the capacity to then step back and look at that for yourself. And, you know, the, the business really evolved. You know, it started just as me. Now there are six of us. Um, I have another business partner, Kate, who is just an incredible woman. And I just knew that if I didn't lock her into the business, that someone would come and snap her up. And so, you know, she's been a huge part of the journey of NSPR as well and, you know, has had a huge influence. And, and the website, as it, as it looks today, is a, a real credit to her skills and expertise and insight. So it's definitely something that's evolved. But I think there have been some key things that have been really important from the start. And that was health and family always come first. So I've been really clear on that. And particularly once I started, you know, having other people work with me and feeling a responsibility there, there's one thing for you to work really hard because it's your business. And in, in 2009, I had five weekends off. So I was the main income earner in our family. I had left a really good job to start up my business. It was a global financial crisis. My husband ended up having to leave his employment. And so there was an immense amount of pressure, you know, to work really hard. And, and I did, you know, I, and when I say work weekends, I don't mean just doing a couple of hours, you know, they were full normal working days. So I think it's really important to understand that when you have your own business, you, you don't necessarily switch off, particularly if there's only you driving it. And that's one of the great things about having brought Kate into the business is that if I go on holiday, I can switch off and um, I know that if she calls me, it's because it's absolutely urgent. Um, she knows when to escalate up and she knows what can wait. So I now have a lot more balance than I did in 2008 and 2009 when the business was really young. But that gives you an opportunity, though, to then create the type of environment in which you want your business and the people who work in it to be around. So we have always worked from home from day one. So initially me, and then it just sort of morphed and evolved and there was one other and so it grew. And it turns out, you know, we were ahead of our time. The, the global pandemic has taught us that we can really easily work from home. We've known that. And the time it can take us often to, you know, go to a client or whatever, we can have a phone conversation with them, which they feel so much more comfortable with now. And, you know, we can deliver the work and the time it would have taken us to get there and park and walk and have the meeting and then revert back. So, you know, we are very good at delivering work quickly for clients. And I've, again, found that if you provide people with flexibility, if you trust them, 
if you enable them to live both lives so they can whip down to school and you know watch a child run a school cross country or be in the debating team at lunchtime or sing in the choir or whatever it happens to be then you know it doesn't mean to say that they're not going to do the work they're still going to do the work but they're just they've got that flexibility to be able to be a mum and also you know be a PR person but it also means if you don't have kids it might be as simple as going to the gym when it's not so busy mm. or driving somewhere to pick something up when it's low traffic rather than a peak traffic time. It's just giving people that flexibility to live their life. And what I found is it builds immense loyalty. And yeah, people people don't take the mickey out of it. It's, it's very rare that happens. Mm-hmm. Well, in working with a team, when you said that you brought in Kate and locked her into the business so you couldn't, so she wouldn't leave, at what point did you know that you were ready to scale in that way, where you were going to bring somebody else on board? Um, well, I guess it was a reasonably tough time for me over a period of five years, where I actually lost both my parents. So um, my dad died quite suddenly, traveling with mum overseas. He had a massive stroke when he was in the UK, seeing my sister and her family. And then just a few years later, my mum was diagnosed with a melanoma and she died within sort of 18 months of that. So I think that was, I had already started looking at the succession side of the business and I wanted to do that in a way that wasn't really pressured. So I had already started those conversations but I think those events definitely, you know, made me think that I wanted to do something a bit more formal and really sort of put some focus and energy into it. And as I say, you know, finding good people, it's really important to value them in a way that's going to be good for their career as well. And, you know, I, as I say, I just knew that Kate would be one of those people that would get snapped up. So, and in fact, a very large PR company in New Zealand who I know the founder of really well did say to me I asked a couple of journalists and editors that I really respect who's the the smartest PR young PR person out there and they said Kate so I knew I'd done the right thing and she said I never would have poached her I never would have poached her but you know I definitely knew that I'd done the right thing so I think those things uh, definitely were a catalyst and perhaps then provided that push to make sure that I had things really locked in. Uh, and, you know, life is life is short. You're here for a blink. So I don't look at that as a, I'm a very glass half full person. I definitely get that from my mother. Even the whole time she was unwell, she would always see the bright side of a situation. She was phenomenal. So yeah, I definitely don't see doom and gloom. I had two absolutely beautiful parents who loved and supported me and my sisters immensely. So I I feel very grateful for that. There are lots of people that don't have that and, and still have their parents alive. So yes, I miss them dreadfully, but I make sure that I am very mindful of all the good stuff that um, they've given me. Mm, wonderful. And in your mindfulness of what you have and what you've decided to create for yourself, I just want to acknowledge you and appreciate you for the impact you're having on all those other people who work for you because 
you know, you were ahead of your time in this idea of bringing your human to work. Erica Kesswin wrote a book about that recently, and you've been doing it for a long time, uh, allowing people to bring their human to work. And, and you know, we're, we're shifting from this work model where the leaders are the ones who get to benefit. And I really appreciate that you are walking the talk of making sure you're impacting your own life and the other people that work with you. One of the things that in your brand personality statement, you say we are reliable, caring, enthusiastic, professional, and fun. A lot of my clients, and I think a lot of my listeners are hyperachievers, recovering perfectionists, are willing to work really hard just like you. And I'm just wondering, what has your relationship been with fun? And has that been something you've struggled with to bring more into your life? Or is that something you were always good at? Either way, tell us about it and tell us how us perfectionists can get a little more of that. I think that's a lot of that, um, how you look at a situation. So, you know, glass half full is, you know, is something that I sort of really have championed. I think that does make a big difference how you think about a scenario when a client rings. You know, you have a choice when you see someone's name pop up on your phone. You have a choice of whether you go, oh, gosh, or, oh, what does this mean? So, um yeah, it's just your whole state, I guess, in terms of how you approach things. And, you know, again, life's short. Uh, yes, there are times you have to be serious and sensible and whatnot. But, you know, I'm just really reminded of a phone conversation that I had on Friday with a client who was freaking out a bit because um, he's relatively new to PR. And we helped him write an opinion piece um, that was going to be online and in the paper in one of the major papers in New Zealand. And, you know, it was a reasonably hard-hitting opinion piece. And on the Friday, we'd had it accepted for the Monday, and on the Friday he got cold feet about it. And so, you know, we had a conversation, and it was a very serious conversation, but we ended up absolutely cracking up laughing. And I'd actually, you know, taken some time off on Friday, so I gave him a hard time about, um, you know, the fact that, you know, I'd finally taken a day off and, and um, you know, he, he'd rung me. So we, we ended up just in such a good space at the end of the call where we were both, you know, having a good laugh and, and everything was fine, everything was sorted. The piece ran yesterday and he's had phenomenal feedback um, from his colleagues and his sector um, and he's just so thrilled that he did have that conversation and go ahead with it so you know again it's just how you approach things right it's like and also yeah as I say new client for us to be able to say to him there's no way that we would do anything that would put your reputation at risk we're all about enhancing reputation and protecting reputation and minimizing risk so you know you can trust us. There's no way we're going to make you do something that's that's going to backfire because that's only going to backfire on us as well. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's yeah, you know, everything has a human element to it, and I think often we can get very theoretical, or but actually, it's people. It's it's all about people, right? So um, it's understanding where that fear is coming from, and then um, you know, giving that comfort that this mm-hmm. it's going to be fine. Well, and the two things that I that I take away from what you just shared was that we have a choice. We always, always, and this is what I do with my coaching clients too, is we always have a choice how we're responding to something. And 
I want the listeners to notice too that even somebody who put a hard hitting opinion piece out there, we can read those and think, wow, he's so brave. But even that person has those moments like, oh crap, what have I done? What's going to happen if I do this? And so I think it's important for us to, to hear those stories. So I really appreciate you sharing that because again, the perfectionists, we worry about what's the world going to think if I don't do it quite right. And uh, yeah, this is again, good reason to work with someone who's in PR if you're wanting to build your profile because they can navigate that with you. Absolutely. I mean, that's our area of expertise. That's a space we live and breathe. Mm. So, um, yeah, and our reputation would go down the gurgler pretty quickly if we (laughs) were putting clients, businesses, brands at risk. And, you know, sometimes you can talk to a client and they don't listen and you say, we don't think this is a good idea. We don't think this marketing campaign's a good idea. Ultimately, they make the decision as to what they'll do. But in a scenario like that, we always back up that conversation with an email to reiterate our concerns and our stance. But all we can do is advise. And I guess one of the slightly annoying aspects of that is we then often pick up the pieces of a mess <laughs> um, with brand and in terms of reputation around that brand. Mm. But, you know, all we can do is advise that ultimately they make the decision. Which is ultimately true of any entrepreneur or any leader who's guiding people in decision making. That ultimately your job is to give the advice, do what's in the best interest, and they've got to take responsibility for their decisions. Um, You'll be there to clean up the mess and let them take responsibility. So regardless of what profession you're in, I think that's true. That's a true leadership quality and trait is to know is to allow your clients to take responsibility. So thank mm. you for bringing that up. And and it's also a really important thing to remind you know team members because I find particularly with our team they are very committed you know we believe in the long term. So you know a lot of our clients have have worked with us for a long time. So you get very invested in their business, their team. So they take it personally and they they get very concerned for the client. And so, yes, you say that sort of thing to the client, but it's so important that you say that thing, that same message to your team. You've done your job. You've given the advice. You've backed it up in writing. It's the ball is in their court now. You have done all you possibly can do. You can go to bed tonight knowing that you've done a great job. Um, and whatever happens is not on you. So I think that's important. You know, you can be focused on the client, but it's really important to make sure that that team member um, knows or team members know that it's okay. It's okay to mm. let that go now. Yeah, whether you're a solopreneur or you've got a team, you're the leader. And you either leading, you're leading yourself and you're leading your team and you're leading your clients. So great highlight of that truth. Thanks, Nikki. I want to shift to this idea of the, one of my mentors talks about, one of, I have lots of them too. One of my mentors talks about the other side of success. And there's a lot of people who believe, oh, if I could just get to this level of success, then everything's going to be okay. And he said, well, actually you get to another level of success. You have other challenges. You have other, just different 
problems. What would you say to somebody just getting started in in their business, maybe in PR, but in any business, I think it translates. What would you say to them about the other side of success? Yeah, and I I think even in society, we get really caught up in that next level, you know, working super hard, even from a personal perspective, to then buy a house potentially rather than renting or buy an apartment. Um, Then it's a bigger one or it's a car and then it's a bigger car or it's gone from two-wheel to four-wheel drive or, or whatever. So we can definitely get on that kind of consumerism conveyor belt, I guess, where you're just constantly looking for that next thing. So, you know, we try really hard to celebrate the successes and, again, focus on the fact that being bigger is not always best. And, you know, we're having conversations at the moment right now around actually how big do we want the business to be? And, you know, particularly I'm talking with Kate, my business partner, saying, well, you know, ultimately you're going to be carrying this. So how do you feel about this? What what do you want to do? Because, you know, the more clients you work with, even if it's on a project basis, then they, if you do a good job, they're going to go and tell other people and you get this obviously, um, you know, natural growth happening. But just take a moment to step back and go, well, what do we actually want the end result to look like? What does success look like? And so, um, you know, I feel we're quite good at celebrating those successes. For a couple of years, we've had an initiative called Marvellous Monday, where we send a, a team email out that has kind of set headings and it's a chance to celebrate the wins from last week that the team have made around PR. So that could be a massive pitch that they've won. It could be fantastic feedback from a client around the way they handled a situation. It could be fantastic coverage like the opinion piece this week for our client. So we, we, we celebrate all those wins. We have inspirational sayings that get put in that. We talk about journalist movements and, and what are happening there. So it's a, it's a really nice way to start the week off. But it, the first thing we lead with is that celebration around the great work that the team have done in the past seven days. So that's a really, really nice thing to do. We also, and I suppose this touches a little bit on the fun aspect you talked about, we have a work WhatsApp group, which we don't tend to talk about work on, but we do perhaps if something pops up in the weekend or at night that you know, something that we've done, then, you know, that team member might go, oh my gosh, you know, this is aired on the news tonight. Here's the clip. So we share in that excitement. But, you know, yesterday's conversation on WhatsApp was about one of our team members, because we're actually in lockdown in Auckland um, at the moment, level four. It's it's a very strict lockdown. We are basically allowed to leave home to for an, a medical emergency to get food from the supermarket or to go for a walk that is the only reason you can leave your property and kiwis new zealand is a very very tolerant and <laughs> obliging people we we obey the rules you know so mm-hmm. so we're in lockdown at the moment and one of our team members shared that her neighborhood has got a letterbox competition where you are to decorate your letterbox and so, or your mailbox, I guess you would call it. Um, so she showed this gorgeous photo of their um, family letterbox, which had been turned into a shark. And it was fantastic. 
and then she told us that the next week's co- or next month's competition was uh, to make a sock puppet and you know display that at your front entrance of your house. And so we were all chipping in ideas because she didn't have any wool for the hair for the sock puppet. So we were chipping in ideas around what the hair would look like. So, you know, this is all about community spirit. It's about keeping kids busy and active. And But, you know, it's those sorts of things that bring you closer together as a team and give you an understanding of what's going on behind the scenes of the work that's going on. So... You know, right now, four of our team, four out of six, are juggling homeschooling and actually just wrangling of kids because they're not even old enough to go to school, but they'd normally be in Mm. childcare for certain days of the week. You know, and that falls hugely onto onto mothers. So, you know, our team are under a lot of pressure at the moment. So, we, you know, Kate and I are working really hard to be able to lift some of that pressure off them having those fun things, celebrating the wins and sharing what's happening personally, you know, is, is really, really important. I love what you shared there about the fun, how you bring it in. It's the, it's the creativity together shared that there's space for it in the relationship that you've created with your team, that there's space for that, that play and creativity and just uh, lightheartedness, even in the midst of a really challenging time where, yeah, they're wrangling kids and, and how awesome for these women to be working with you in a time such as this. Yeah, we're, we're working hard on that to be really supportive and to understand, you know, and, and also talking to clients about pushing deadlines out, uh, being re- realistic. Also, the media focus has changed immensely. You know, they're not necessarily interested in particular stories at the moment because it's very COVID focused. So yeah, it's, again, it's about being upfront and honest and having those relationships with clients where you you can have the tough calls. Yeah. And what you said about success, like how big do you want to be? Don't do it just because you need to get bigger. Don't push things and keep working really hard right now, even under these circumstances, just because that's what you always do. We're in different circumstances. So always checking in. We could go on and on all day because I and I knew this would happen. I We had such a wonderful conversation the first time you and I met. So I knew that we'd have lots to talk about. I didn't even get to all of my questions. So I think there's someday we may have a, we may have part two. And we have time for a couple more questions. So the five zones of the stellar life, work, play, health and wellness, relationships, money. Maybe we'll talk about money later because I'm sure another time because I think that comes up for a lot of your clients and, and, uh, and whatnot. But I know for you, Nikki, that you have a health and wellness ritual and you've got your resilience rituals. Would you be willing to share that with our audience? Because sometimes people get this idea that meditation and resilience rituals have to be this big, complicated thing. And I love for people to share what their rituals are so that others can just go, oh, I like that part of that. And so you can create your own. So what are, what are your daily resilience rituals to make sure that you're keeping yourself healthy and strong mind, body, and spirit? (laughs) Uh, Okay. So I'm a morning person. So uh, I always start the day doing some form of movement, some form of exercise. So it's could be a short, hard 
workout, hit type workout, or it could be sort of a, um, a long stretch yoga session, particularly if I've done a couple of hard hit outs and my, my butt or my thighs are a bit sore and need a stretch out. Um, but I always start the day that way. And even if it's a 10 minute yoga stretch, I, I, I definitely don't feel right when I haven't done that. Uh, it's amazing the impact that has on me. So that's really important. I'm also a big breakfast person. So there's a bit of a ritual around that in our household. Um, you know, we have breakfast together because in the world of PR, sometimes you literally have no idea what your day will be like. You might think you've got no meetings, but then the day is a shambles or a client has an issue and you're completely consumed with that or a, a, a team member needs support and you're completely consumed with that. So that's kind of our start in the day. And yeah, I I'd always go for a walk around the garden at some point in the day when I'm working, even if it's while I'm on a phone call. So I'm a big gardener, huge gardener. And any time I have off work, <laughs> if we're not traveling, I just absolutely love being in the garden. So that's definitely my happy place. It's a really nice connection for me with both my mum and dad in the garden. That's, you know, I used to garden with dad years ago. And um, yeah, I just... Yeah, it's got a really lovely, lovely feeling to me. Mum loved the garden as well. So, I, you know, it's a time for reflection for me. But also you can't help but kind of mull a potential issue around in your head for a client or work and sometimes it just becomes crystal clear. I'm not a great sleeper. <laughs> I've got worse with menopause. <laughs> so, but I, I have kind of a bit of a ritual around that. I do a kind of 10-minute sort of yoga sequence to kind of wind down at the end of the day, not every night, but, you know, most nights. And then I do reading as well, just as a way of kind of switching off. Ironically, I can't read magazines as part of that wind-down process because I'm in PR, and I'll see a story or I'll see a feature or I'll see a, a new segment that they've got and think, oh, that would be great for that client. So I, I can't do magazines at night. It has to be some kind of book. Um, I'm a big non-fiction reader, so um, that tends to be the space that, that I'll be in. So that those things are really important. The other thing that's, um, you know, obviously, you know, whānau, family, super, super important. Uh, both our children, um, my stepchildren are overseas at the moment. So um, that's really hard. And particularly because we had lots of lovely travel planned uh, for last year and this year. And that's just, you know, obviously gone completely out the window. So, you know, normally that would be a big part of our lives from a physical perspective as well. And, you know, even my sisters as well, being close to them, one of them lives in the States. Mm. So, you know, a really tough time up there as well. But from a work perspective, one of the key rituals that we've put in place, which I think your listeners will enjoy, is what we call seven to seven. So from 7 p.m. at night until 7 a.m. in the morning, there are no work emails within the team unless it's urgent and then you call. And we've done this for years now and a lot of our clients actually listen to it as well um, and you know adhere to that they'll go to send us an email and then they'll go oh it's eight o'clock I'll actually it's non-urgent I'll, I'll email them that in the morning they're quite respectful of it and that's all about that balance between that switch off between work and home and saying health and family first look after yourself whatever your whānau looks like look after them and 
um, you'll be a better person tomorrow as a result of that. So that's quite an important ritual mm. for sanity because in PR, it can literally be 24-7. So mm. we've, we've put some really kind of strict boundaries around that. Mm. I imagine, especially now that we've gone global, right, that you're starting to, I know that you were connecting with some people here in Vancouver. Um, so now that you're gone global, it can be more than 24-7. So great. Okay, so I loved that that seven to seven. Um, I do something similar, but I like the I like the name. I'm going to borrow the name. I'm going to adopt the name for that. And because I've started doing that too, I'll write an email. I wrote several emails last night and I saved them to send this morning. Yeah. Right. So I don't want to bother people in their inbox on a Sunday night. And then the, um, you know, you're hitting with your resilience, virtual mind, body, spirit, connection, relationships, all of that. So to wrap up our interview today, I could talk to you all day because I just, I, you are such an inspiration, Nikki, but we have to wrap up because we're almost an hour and I've got 10 rapid fire questions for you. So we're okay. just going to throw them at you and just answer as you go. So here we go. You ready? Sure. Star Trek or Star Wars? Neither. <laughs> if you had to choose one. No, I won't, you, I won't make you choose one. Okay. Okay. Uh, favorite place to visit? Italy. Mm. Your zodiac sign. Gemini. Scariest thing you ever did? Uh, swim 4.7 kilometers from an outer island back to Auckland, an open sea. There are sharks there. I would never do that. Um, <laughs> your non-negotiable self-care ritual? Uh, exercise in the morning. The book that you would take to Mars? Cast by Isabel Wilkinson. It's about racism and the caste system in America. Fantastic book. Fabulous. Wonderful. I'll put the link to that in the show notes because that sounds great. Um, if you were a city, who would you be? Oh, gosh, that's a really hard one. <sighs> if I could be a city, I would be Paris. Oh, I think I would be maybe Rome. Something you haven't yet done that's on your dream list? Uh, Spain. Spain is definitely on my hit list and my dream list, but I don't want to go just for a couple of weeks. I, I really want to, I've already said to my husband, I really want to go for a decent length of time. Nice. Spain is wonderful. You're going to love it. So I called my life, my business, the Stellar Life Project. It was a time when I was transitioning out of some chaos into this new space that I find myself in. What would you call your life if you were to give it a title? Oh, it goes back to the star. It's very much about, you know, making my star shine. Um, I went through a period of life years ago as a sort of late in my late 20s where I was in a really awkward work environment and ironically someone who you know wasn't my formal mentor but I was working with at the time said to me you can't control what's going on but you can make your star shine so I focused on that and so the whole idea about NSPR is then actually we've got the skills and expertise to make your star shine so we focus on that and by making your star shine Nikki you're inspiring others and helping them too it's wonderful Okay, last question. 
Success leaves clues. What's one clue or tip that you would leave for others who want to have a stellar life or who want to make their star shine? Absolutely trust your gut feel. You know yourself. You know when it's not feeling right. Trust your gut. What a great way to end our conversation today. Trust your gut. Absolutely. Nikki, how can our listeners find you, get in touch with you, follow you on social? Tell us where they can find you. Sure. Um, I'm definitely on LinkedIn and I do a a tiny bit on Instagram. Um, Obviously, NSPR is also on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook. And our website has our contact details. So I'm sure you'll put the link up or something for the website. I will. I definitely will. And you can inspire, you can uh, inspire, see, Uh, subscribe is what I meant. You can subscribe to their newsletter and get some tips for PR, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And we, we talk about all sorts of things in that. So yes, absolutely. Wonderful. Well, you definitely have surprised and delighted me and I'm sure my listeners as well. So thank you so much, Nikki, for being with us here today on the Stellar Life Project podcast. Oh, look, it's been an absolute pleasure. Ma mihi nui. So thank you very much in Tareo. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you for your kind words as well. It's, it's very generous of you to talk about NSPR and, and me in that way. So thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. Keep safe, everybody.